The following Mishnah brings out a very important condition which must be followed when it comes to doing malacha for the sake of food on Yom Tov. And that is that preparations for food are only permitted if it is considered to be a tzerech hashomelechol nefesh, which means that it is something considered to be needed by most people that the average person will find it very difficult without this. However, if most people would easily do without this, then even if it is for the sake of food preparation, it would be forbidden to do on Yomtev. And because of that, to bathe one's entire body in hot water on Yomtev is forbidden, because most people can pass a day without bathing in hot water, and therefore it is not considered to be shovelechol nefesh, a common need for people, and as such it is forbidden on Yomtev. Now we learned in the previous perek an extremely important rule according to Beis Hillel when it comes to performing work on Yomtev, and that is that if a particular malacha is permitted for the sake of food preparation, then it becomes permitted even for other things. So we saw an example of carrying, since it will be permitted to carry food in a public domain in a Rosh Hashanah it is also permitted to carry anything on Yom Tov. On a similar note, according to Beis Hillel, it will be permitted to heat up water, even not for the sake of drinking, because of the rule of mitoich. However, we're going to see in our Mishnah that even according to Reis Shammai, there is a way to do it, even though he argues on the principle of Metoich. Reis Shammai and Reis Shammai say, It is forbidden for one to warm up water in order to wash his feet, and the same goes for washing his face or his hands, unless the water is fit for drinking. If the water is fit for drinking, then it would be permitted to heat it up, and then to drink just a little bit of it, and then to use the rest for bathing in. Now washing just one's hands and feet is permitted on Yom Tov, because it is considered to be a tzorech ha nefesh, something which is considered a need for most people, not one's whole body, but just certain parts of his body. And even according to Reis Shammai this is permitted, reason being that the only malacha involved in heating up water is putting the fire on, lighting a fire. Now as long as he is going to drink part of the water which he is heating up, you could argue that when he lights the fire, he is lighting the fire in order to heat up the water for drinking. It's true there's lots of other water there as well, but in terms of the actual act which he does, it makes no difference that there's other water over there. Either way, for the sake of the water which he's going to drink, he would have had to light the fire. So the fact that there is more water there does not make it forbidden, as long as he is planning on drinking part of the water. Alright, now this hill matirin, this hill permit one to warm up water in order to wash his hands, or his feet, or his face, not his whole body, but just those parts of his body, even if he is not planning on drinking any of it. And over here we come to the rule of mitoich, that mitoich shehutra letzeirech, since it's permitted to heat up water for the sake of drinking, hutra nami it is also permitted to do so, not for the sake of eating and food preparation, but even for the sake of washing oneself. In addition to that, according to Beis Hillel, because of the rule of mitoich, one is allowed to make a sort of bonfire and warm himself up by the bonfire, even if it is not for the sake of food preparation or cooking at all. And here we really see the depth of what this means to be Shorelechal Nefesh. Although certainly most people will not end up making a bonfire on Yom Tov, and so I would have thought that this is not considered to be Shorelechal Nefesh, something commonly needed by lots of people, that is not true because most people who are in this situation of being cold would make a bonfire. 
It happens to me that most people don't need to because they're not necessarily cold. But if somebody was in my situation, and when people are cold in general, they do put on a fire in order to warm themselves up. And therefore that is considered to be shavalachal nefesh, something which is needed by most people, and people would not get by easily without it, and therefore it is permitted to do so on Yom Tov. Mishnavov, the son of Hillel was called Rabban Shimon, and his son was called Rabban Gamliel Hazokin. Now the son of Rabban Gamliel Hazokin was Rabban Shimon again, and that's the same person as Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, and his son was again called Gamliel, and he was not known as Rabban Gamliel Hazokin, who was the grandson of Hillel, but he was just known as Roman Gamliel. Now, though this Roman Gamliel was a descendant of Hillel, and he was part of his Beis HaMedrash, and he agreed and held like Beis Hillel with regards to most issues, the Mishnah tells us that Shloisha Devarim, there were three things that Roman Gamliel machmerikter Beis Shammai, that Roman Gamliel ruled strictly like the words of Beis Shammai. And these are three things regarding Yom Tov. Now the first of those issues is Hatmona. Hatmona refers to insulating a pot of food. If let's say somebody wants to keep some food warm, once he has taken it off the fire, he wants it to retain its heat. So he would cover it in certain materials so that it would remain hot. Now it's forbidden to do Hatmona on Shabbos. It's considered like cooking. And it follows therefore that it's also forbidden on Yom Tov unless it is for the sake of Yom Tov itself. Just like anything which can be done on Yom Tov, it can only be done for the sake of Yom Tov itself. You can't cook on Yom Tov for the next day. So the same goes for insulating, for covering the pots with materials to keep it warm. However, we learned at the beginning of this perech that there is indeed a way to prepare food for the next day if the next day is Shabbos. And that is, if one makes an ear of Tavshilin, where he begins preparing the food already before Yom Tov begins, so then even on Yom Tov he's allowed to prepare for the next day Shabbos. The question is whether the ear of Tavshilin covers insulating as well, or perhaps it only covers preparing food in the same way as the ear of Tavshilin was prepared. So according to Beis Hillel, once you've begun the preparations, even if the ear of Tavshilin was just something which you cooked, that is enough to allow you to both cook and bake and insulate pots of food and do anything for the sake of food on Yom Tov for the next day. However, according to Beis Shammai, it is forbidden to cover a pot of hot water in this case from Yom Tov on Yom Tov for the sake of Shabbos the next day, since the Erev Tav Shilin only allows you to continue preparing food in the same way as you had begun. The whole point of the Erev Tav Shilin is that it's considered to be the beginning of your preparation. So unless you made as part of your Erev Tav Shilin, you had a pot of hot water, which you did cover in materials to keep it warm, so if you did that, then even by shallower degree, that you are allowed to do so on Yom Tov for the sake of Shabbos. But if you make an, a regular Erev Tavshilin, where you just begin cooking the food, that would not allow you to start insulating the hot water on Yom Tov for the sake of Shabbos. Secondly, according to Beis Shammai, just like it is forbidden to build or to demolish buildings which are attached to the ground, or even parts of those buildings, there is also yesh binyon bekelim. There is also a prohibition to do the same with utensils which are not attached to the ground. And therefore, in Zeikvin Samanur Beyomtev, it is forbidden to set up and connect pieces of a candelabra on Yomtev, even though it's not literally a building, you're not actually attaching anything to the ground, and actually building a real structure. This is also considered to be building and therefore forbidden on Shabbos and Yom Tov. There's a discussion whether Beis Hillel argue totally, 
or perhaps they still agree that it is forbidden Medjabonon on Shabbos, however on Yom Tov, in order that one be able to rejoice on Yom Tov and fulfill the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov, of being happy on the Yom Tov, perhaps just on Yom Tov, Beis Hillel allow one to build and demolish utensils, alright, Vein Ophrin Pitting Geritz in Arakikin, it is forbidden to bake bread from very thick dough, rather only from thin dough. Meaning if it's thick dough, that means you are baking many, many loaves, and that is considered to be too much effort for Yom Tov. One is supposed to rest more on Yom Tov, not be busy performing these activities all day, and therefore it's forbidden to make very thick dough, and to make lots of loaves of bread on Yom Tov itself. Base Hill once again argue, since the quality of the bread is actually improved if there are more loaves baking in a particular oven, so the overall quality of each loaf of bread actually improves as well. So you're not just increasing the quantity of the bread, but you are also increasing the quality of each loaf of bread, and therefore it is permitted according to Beis Hillel. Omar Amon Gamliel, Amon Gamliel said, In all of the days of my father's house, my father Amon Shem Ben Gamliel, they would never bake bread from thick loaves, only from thin loaves, they would only bake a few loaves on Yom Tov. So there you go, you got a proof that also Amon Shem Ben Gamliel held like Beis Shammai that it was forbidden. That's not a proof. What are we going to do to your father's house? They were strict upon themselves not to do this. However, they were lenient for the rest of the Jewish people to allow them to bake bread from thick loaves and even which is bread which is baked on lots of coals so it requires a lot of preparation, a lot of hard work. Even that permitted. He's only strict upon himself. But according to the strict letter of the law, the halacha is like Beis Hillel, that it is permitted to bake as many loaves as one likes on Yom Tov. Mishra Zayin, as well as Yom Gamliel ruling strictly in three ways like Beis Shammai, he also said three things with regards to Yom Tov, in which he ruled more leniently than the Chachomim. Firstly, one is allowed to sweep in between the beds and the couches on which they ate. In those days, they would eat on couches and recline, and the floor was an earth floor, so there would be many holes there. And so in general, it is forbidden to sweep an earth floor on Shabbos or Yom Tov, in case he comes to fill in the holes which are on the earthen ground, and that is considered part of the malacha of building. He's filling in the holes, and that would be forbidden. However, according to Mingamliel, if it's a small area, such as around the table where there are just a couple of couches where people are eating, since it is a small area, he is far less likely to find holes and fill them up with earth as he is sweeping, and because of that it is permitted to sweep on an earth ground if it is a small area such as this. On the other hand, the Chachom forbid it. They say there's no difference whether the area is a large area or a small area. There is still a concern that he will come to fill in the holes with earth. Secondly, one is allowed to place spices on coals on Yom Tov in order that the room be filled with a very pleasant smell. Although this is not for the sake of food preparation, since you're allowed to place food on coals and you're allowed to light a fire for the sake of food, you're also allowed to do so for the sake of a smell because of the rule that we have seen of Beis Hillel, since it would be permitted to do it for the sake of food preparation, it is permitted to do it even for other things. Now the Chachom argue with Raman Gamliel, and according to the Chachom this is forbidden, since as we have seen, one is only allowed to do things on Yom Tov if it is Shove Nefesh. It is needed by most people. Most people would find it difficult to pass Yom Tov without this. However, say the Chachomim, 
Filling the room with this pleasant smell is not considered shovel chol nefesh. Most people can pass Yom Tov very easily without this, and therefore it is forbidden on Yom Tov. And thirdly, one is allowed to make a goat, and the same goes for a sheep, on Pesach night, and the word makulas refers to how it is cooked. It is roasted in the same way as a regular carbon Pesach would be roasted, and that is that certain parts of the body are taken out and then roasted together on the same spit in the fire. And according to Gamliel, even when there is no Beis it is permitted to roast such an animal in exactly the same way as it would be roasted in the Beis HaMikdash, or it would be roasted after having been offered up in the Beis HaMikdash. And in fact, according to Gamliel, it should be done in order as a commemoration for what was done in the Beis HaMikdash, Zeichel HaMikdash. However, the Chachom argue and say that it is actually forbidden to do so in case somebody sees this and they assume that you actually offered it as a carbon Pesach. And it will appear as if you brought a carbon outside of the Beis HaMikdosh. And to bring a carbon Pesach without a Beis HaMikdosh is certainly forbidden. And so to prevent people assuming that when they see this, the Chachom Oisrim, the Chachom forbid it. And all these three things, the Chachom argue with Rambam Gamliel, and they are more strict, and they say that it is forbidden for the reasons that we explained. Mishnah this Mishnah has a very similar structure to the previous Mishnah, and it brings three debates regarding Yom Tov. Shosh Devarim, three things Rabbi Lozman Azara Matir, Rabbi Lozman Azara permitted, he was lenient, Vachachom Oisrin, and once again the Chachom were more strict, and they forbade it. Number one, the Halacha is that just like one is not allowed to do Malacha on Shabbos or Yom Tov himself, there is also an obligation of Shavisas Behemtoi to make sure that his animal does also not perform any of those forms of work. So for example, just like on Shabbos it is forbidden to carry in a public domain, it would also be forbidden to allow one's animal to be carrying anything in a public domain. However, just like one is allowed to wear clothes, and that's not considered to be carrying, so too, if an item of clothing is on the animal, even if it's just for decoration or something, that's sort of considered to be part of the animal, not something which the animal is carrying, but rather something which he is wearing, and therefore one may allow his animal to go out like that on Shabbos. So the Mishnah says that Parasai, the cow belonging to Rabbi Lozman Azariah, it would go out into a public domain on Shabbos, with some sort of strap for decoration between its horns. The Chachom argued because they held that this was not considered to be part of its clothing. And the truth is, the Gemara explains that Rabbi Lozman Azariah did not actually allow his cow to go out like this on Shabbos. It was his neighbor's cow. However, since he did not protest, and people didn't necessarily know that it was his neighbor's cow, they may have thought that it was actually his cow, so Rabbi Lozman Azariah himself was held responsible for what his neighbor did. Right, the next machlokas refers to a doge in miskavein, something which, as well as the consequence which one is trying to produce, there is also a side consequence, a side result, which is something forbidden. If one is not intending for that side result, then it is permitted according to Rabbi Ben Azariah. For example, he permits one to do the following: one may scratch a animal on Yom Tov with a metal comb, which had quite thin pieces of the comb, and very often it would also cause the animal to bleed a bit. So whilst one was combing the animal, he would also draw some blood. Now it's forbidden to draw blood on Shabbos. It comes under the category of forbidden work of slaughtering. However, since over here the main result which he is intending for is just to comb the animal and to scratch it, it happens to be that something else might happen. But since he is not intending for that result, there is no prohibition. And thirdly, it is permitted to crush pepper 
in their own grinders which are designated for the sake of crushing pepper. They were much smaller, and if one were to crush the pepper before Yomtev, then they would lose their taste, so it's permitted to do so on Yomtev. And since they're only using a small grinder, which is regularly used only for pepper, so it can be done on Yomtev. However, according to the Chachom, this is forbidden, since it looks very much like a weekday activity. People don't necessarily make a difference between this small grinder and a larger one, and so it seems like he's doing a regular weekday activity and therefore it's forbidden midirabonon. Now the Mishnah elaborates on the second machlekes regarding combing the animal, which was an example of a dorosh enemis kavein, and Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Ein makardin samhein biyomtav. It is forbidden to comb the animal with a metal comb on yomtav, because he is likely to make a wound and draw blood from the animal. According to Rabbi Yehuda, even a Dorosh Enimus Kavin is forbidden on Shabbos and yomtav. Aval, however, Makaritzafin, one can scratch the animal with a wooden comb, since the pieces are much thicker, and he is very unlikely to draw blood from the animal using such a utensil. The Chachom, I remember the Chachom say, Ein Makaridin, one is neither allowed to use a metal comb after Makaritzafin, nor may one use even a wooden comb to scratch the animal, since if you use a wooden comb, one might come to end up using a metal one, which would be forbidden, also according to the Chachomim, since they also agree with Rabbi Yehuda, that a Dovish Enemis Kavain is forbidden on Shabbos and Yom Tov.